Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. So you may need to tell Katie and Carrie and Whitney that those things never really happen, all right? Those are, those are things moms have never said. But yet mom has a, has a task to keep everybody uh, going. They have a task of keeping us all on track. And some moms have an extra child that she calls husband. Uh, and so at least that's the way it is at our house. So um, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to 2 Timothy. And as we talk about moms, there's a lot of great things that uh, we know about moms and how they love us, how they take care of us, and how they provide for us. And sometimes moms don't always get the credit. But moms have a, a way of influencing a child's life. And this morning, I want to look at that. And we're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 in just a few moments. Uh, but I want to give you some background on this text. Because just like your mom, or just like my mom, who has been influential in my life, uh, Timothy's mom was influential in his life. And Timothy is the man who he is today in our scripture, partly because of his mother and actually his grandmother. And so this morning, as you're here this morning, men don't check out on me. Uh, don't think that there's nothing about today's message that's for you. Or if you're a single uh, a woman, don't check out. you, Because men, this is applicable to you, everyone it's applicable to. Whether you're a parent or an aunt or an uncle, there's some wisdom in what happens here. Now, 2 Timothy is, is a book that uh, Paul writes, and it's his last book he writes. It's interesting, Paul has written 13 books in the New Testament. Out of the 27, Paul's got 13 of them. And in those 13 books, Paul has uh, written over and over, and 2 Timothy happens to be his last book that he writes. And he writes it to a young man who has been his disciple. Uh, Paul has done three missionary journeys. Paul's been considered the greatest Christian of all times. Timothy himself has been considered the greatest disciple of all times. And so as we look at the text, we find that there is this moment for Timothy and Paul. And Paul recognizes Timothy's faith. Actually, in one of Paul's early journeys, on the first missionary journey, Paul finds himself in an area in which he's preaching the gospel. Now, there's three basic things that happens when Paul preaches the gospel. One, people recognize their need for Christ, and they repent, and they follow Christ. Two, they go, well, you know, I'm not really sure I, I know, what, know enough about Christ. Let me learn more. Or three... They look at Paul and they, they dislike the message he's saying. And they try to run him out of town. Well, on, first, on Paul's first missionary journey, that's what happened. He's in town preaching the gospel and people heard him preach the gospel and they sought to run him out of town. But as God has it, man has a way of messing up things, but God always has a plan and a purpose. Paul and his companion run, and they leave, and they go to a town called Lystra. 
It's on that first missionary journey that Paul meets some folks. And as they do, they begin to hear the message. Let me share the big idea with you this morning, and we'll, we'll keep going. The first big idea I want you to catch this morning is that faith of a mother or a grandmother can have a powerful impact on children when it's genuinely rooted in Christ. Faith can have a powerful impact when it's generally rooted in Christ. We get Paul on his first missionary journey in Acts 14. Just listen to these words as I read them to you. Acts 14, uh, verse uh, 5 and following. It says, when the attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat and stone them, meaning Paul and his companion, they found, they found out about it and fled to Laconium, the town of Lystra and Derbe, and to the surrounding countryside. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Verse 21 of chapter 14 says, After they had preached the gospel in that town, they made many disciples. They returned to Lystra and, and um, Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the disciples by encouraging them to continue in their faith. It's on this first missionary journey that Paul ends up in Lystria. And so happens that as he's run out of town, he goes to Lystria, and there's two women that he encounters while he's there on his first missionary journey. Those women's names are Lois and Eunice. Both have significance to Timothy. Why? Because Timothy's grandmother is Lois. His mother is Eunice. And both those women, as we'll see in just a moment, have this drastic impact on Timothy. Their faith in Christ comes to a point, and they then turn to Timothy. Because by the second time on Paul's second missionary journey, we read that he has come back to this town, and he has learned of Timothy, a young man who has come to faith in Christ. Chapter 16 of Acts Acts 16 says, Paul went back to Derby and Lystria, where there was a disciple named Timothy, the son of a believing Jewish woman, but his father was Greek. The brothers and sisters of Lystria and Iconia spoke highly of him. Paul wanted Timothy to go with him, so he took him and circumcised him and became one of the Jews who were in those places since they all knew that his father was Greek. So catch that. Paul's first missionary journey, he leads his grandmother and mother to Christ. By the time he comes back, Timothy has come to know Christ. How does Timothy come to know Christ? He comes to know Christ because of his mother and his grandmother. This morning as we look at what it means to have genuine, genuine faith, I want you to catch that Timothy is the man who he is in Scripture partly because of what his grandmother and mother did in his life. So if you have your Bibles and you're at 2 Timothy chapter 1, would you stand as we honor the reading of God's holy word? We'll read the first nine verses. And what I want you to do is as I read these verses, I want you to see the heart of Timothy or the heart of Paul. He's writing at the end of his life, the last book he'd ever write to Timothy. A young man who's been with him since he was a child. A young man who's been with him as he, as he wrote 2 Corinthians, Philemon, 
First and Second Thessalonians, Colossians. Timothy pastored the church at Ephesus, all out of the influence of Paul. Listen to the words as he writes his last letter, and he writes it to his, his son in the faith. Verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, for the sake of the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly loved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, and my ancestors did, when I constantly remember you in my prayers, night and day. Remembering your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Verse 5, that's the one we'll focus on today. I recall your sincere faith that was first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm convinced is also in you. Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gifts of God that is in you the, through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. So don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share in the suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. He saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which is given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. You may be seated. Timothy, who, who is Paul's disciple, Paul writes to him in the last letter. And he uses these words in verse Verse number five, sincere faith. When I think about sincere faith, uh, yeah, I, I spent some time this week, I looked it up, and it's genuine, pure. It's a genuine, pure faith. And I, I think as, as we look at this text, we, we recognize partly who Timothy is, as Paul will tell us, because of the faith of his mother, and his grandmother. Because they had a genuine faith, as Paul says. I first saw it in them, now I see it in you. It's a faith that each one of us longs to have. It's a faith that every mother prays for their child to have. It's a faith that Christ calls us to. So let me give you a couple things we find in our text this morning when we talk about this. First, I want you to catch there is a genuine faith is lived out. Genuine faith is lived out. We, we see this being played out here. Paul tells them that, that he has seen it in his grandmother and mother. It's genuine. It's something you can tell is true and pure in their heart. Now, the truth of the matter is, we can all spot things that are not always genuine, can't we? We can tell that there are things that, that may appear to be the real deal, but the closer you get, the harder it is to tell that it's pure, that it's genuine. 
Oh, flowers may look good from a distance, but as you get closer, you begin to realize they're, they're not real. They're, they're fake. A person you may know uh, may start out, you think, being genuine, but as you get closer to them and learn who they are, you realize that they're not genuine. They're somebody completely different. We, we, think, we see things all the time trying to mimic something that's genuine. And we, we have things that, that try to make you think that it's close enough. You can buy, you can buy a Coke product, Coca-Cola, but you can go buy a generic Coke. It doesn't claim to be genuine, but it claims to be close enough. And to me, that's like a T-bone steak and a hamburger. I'd just soon have the real thing. And so Paul recognizes there is a genuine faith that's lived out in these two women. That these two women have, have, have come to a place that they've recognized who Christ is and they have then poured it into Timothy. Now let's, let's understand, Timothy does not grow up in an Orthodox Jewish house. His mother is Jewish, and Timothy's father is a Greek. So just to kind of help you understand what that household looked like, faith was not high on the priority list. God was not high on the priority list. In fact, we read in Acts where Paul has Timothy circumcised to help with the Jewish culture. Timothy didn't grow up in a strong family of faith. But what happened was when mom and grandmother came to know Christ, it changed their life so drastically that they couldn't help but influence Timothy. How are you doing on the influencing? You see, children recognize just as we do what's genuine and what's not. They recognize what's true and not. They see, our, our children see us and they can determine, are we telling them what they need to hear or are we living it out because here's the thing if you just tell them what they need to hear your children will eventually realize it it's just words it doesn't matter it's just words so the first thing is there's a genuine faith that's lived out second thing is in verse five a genuine faith is passed on it's passed on now, these two women had an influence on Timothy. And Paul says, it's sincere faith that I first saw in them, I now see in you. It's a faith that you now possess. It's a faith that you have. It's a faith that, that you have learned because you've seen it. It's been passed on. 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 and following. But as for you, continue in what you have learned. Firmly believe you know those who taught you. And you know that from infancy, infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching and rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. Listen, it was passed on. Paul tells Timothy, 
Continue in what you have learned. How did Timothy learn these things? He learned them from, from his mother and his grandmother. He also learned them from Paul. He traveled with Paul. All these people influenced Timothy's life. So as the church, as, as we talked this morning with these, these babies who were dedicated, as a church, we have a responsibility to influence, to encourage, to, to share the gospel with these four. It's not just their parents, but it's all of us passing on what we have learned and the knowledge that we have about who God is. That's what we're called to do. So as we think about it, how is it that you pass on faith? Now listen, there is no guarantee. Hear me very carefully. There's no guarantee that, that if you will pray for your children every day, if you will take them to church, if you will help them and read with them every day, there's no guarantee that your children will follow the way of Christ. Because the truth of the matter is, just like shooting a bow and arrow, once you release it, the wind and other obstacles can move it off target. The best thing you can do is line your children up the best way you can and pray that everything else works out. So I'm going to give you three things but I, that will help us pass along that genuine faith. They're not guarantees, but they're the things that we need to be doing. Uh, the first one is we need to read the Bible to your children. Your children need to hear you open God's Word and read it. They need to hear you speak God's Word. They need to hear and see the Bible opened at your house, not just on Sunday morning. Your children don't need to, have the, don't need to hear the conversation, where's my Bible? Because I forget where I placed it since last Sunday. A dear man I love to death, I gave a hard time to for many years because he put his Bible in his car and did not take it out until the following Sunday. He laughed and said, that's why I don't lose it. And I finally said, well, how are you growing in Christ by leaving your Bible in your car? Well, I never really thought of that. You need to take your Bible in and read it. Don't just put it on a bookshelf. Your children need to, they need to see you. They need to see you have a quiet time. They need to, to see you wrestling with God's word, understanding God's word. The greatest thing a child can say is, that chair right there is where my mom or my dad sits and studies the word of God. The best thing your children can do is hear you read God's word out loud. Now, those things help pass on to a child. Because let's, let's be honest, our children pick up more than we, we really want them to at times. They hear us at a small age, and they know what, they may not know everything, but they sense when something's not right. They sense when, when we're not telling them the truth. They sense when we're being genuine. 
Do you read your children the Bible? Parents, today we, we gave you an illustrated Bible. It's one that we, we believe will help as a child, as a young age, begin to hear God's Word. I, I can't think. Paul tells Timothy, you've heard these words since you were an infant. A great mom, a great grandmother, a great aunt will always read the Bible to their children, to their nephew and their nieces. The second thing is they will model the Bible in front of their children. They will model the Bible in front of their children. Every day we have an opportunity to model God's Word. In fact, let me just give you a heads up. When you leave here today, you'll have an opportunity to model God's Word. You'll get in your car as you go to a restaurant or you go home or you do whatever you're going to do. You're going to get a chance to model God's Word. There'll be a car that pulls out in front of you. How will you model God in front of your children when that car pulls out in front of you? When the waitress or the waiter messes up your order, how will you model God's Word in front of you? You have a chance to model God's Word You have a responsibility to model God's Word. One of the things about modeling that, it comes easy when that's your lifestyle. When it's a part of your DNA, when it's a part of who you are, when it's just, when you've you've prayed up, when you've read God's Word. Modeling God's Word is real simple because it's a part of who you are. See, you can't pass on anything you don't possess. And so you can't model God's word if you don't possess God's word in your heart. You've got to to know that, understand that, come to a place in your life where you reflect that. Where your children see that. Where your children see how you handle disagreements. In fact, let let me say this to your parents. As your children get older, help them see how you and your spouse handle things. Teach them now. I can't tell you the number of times I've sat down in premarital counseling for a wedding and, and we'll always talk about we'll always talk about families. We'll always bring in families. I'll look I'll look at the <laughs> one of my favorite things to do is I look at the I look at the the, the groom and I'll say, so tell me what you don't like about her family. And he'll always, most of the time, they'll always be quiet. Well, I like her family. Then I'll look at her and go, tell me what you don't like about his family. And she's got a laundry list. <laughs> when she's done, then he's like, well, wait a second. I got a few things I want to add. Right? But one of the things we talk about is family. And we'll talk about how did your parents handle conflict? You know, sometimes we'll get people who will go, I don't know. My parents, my parents never argued. And I'll go, they did. They just may have never done it in front of you. So how do you, how do you handle conflict if you've never seen it? Parents, help them understand how to do that. Show them, model godly love and how to deal with conflict. We have an opportunity to influence our children. Scripture teaches us that we are to to be the spiritual 
providers, leaders in their life. They don't get that if we don't model it for them. The third thing we have to do is we have to pray the Bible over our children. Let's pray the Bible over our children. Let's come to a place in our life where we're, we're praying God's word for our children. Praying that they grow in wisdom and knowledge. Jesus tells the story of the, the prodigal son in Luke 15. And we always read that story and we always comment about the father sitting on the porch waiting and watching for the child to come home. Now it's, it's a parable that Jesus is telling but I always like to think that father is sitting on that porch praying for that son to hear the word of God. Longing for that child to realize they need to come home. Abraham Lincoln has said this, I can remember my mother's prayers as they always followed me. They have clung to, clung to me all my life. A praying family. Parents, we need to pray over our children. They have to make decisions just like you had to make decisions. One of the things we talk about in young couples is there comes a point where you have to make the decision on your own. Parents, the best thing we can do is pray over our children. That God will lead them to make the right decisions. Because just from a child who grew up with a loving set of parents who said, you're not going to do this, you're not going to do that, only enticed me to go and do. You realize that, right? The more you tell them they can't, the more they want to do. So rather than doing that, why don't we model and pray over them, read God's word to them. So I thought about this, this Mother's Day. Yesterday I had the privilege to go see my, my grandmother. Our family gets together typically on Saturday or Mother's Day. Um, my sister's husband pastors a church. Of course, I'm, we're here in Glasgow. My brother and his wife are in uh, uh, Georgetown. So it's just easier most of the time for us to get together on Saturdays. My grandmother is 97 years old. I could spend hours telling you about the influence my grandmother had on my life. My mother had a huge influence in my life. Um, and it's all because of the influence of my grandmother. My mother taught us uh, genuine love. She taught us, she taught us, she taught us a, a sacrificing love. My mother would spend hours at the ballpark and watching us play ball, cheering us on. And then when we were at home, of course, we didn't have all the travel ball. We you know, played maybe once or twice a week. So to get practice in, we, my mother learned to hit fly balls in the backyard. We had a big enough yard that she could hit a fly. She'd toss that thing up and hit it. And occasionally she'd hit it too hard, hard to go over the fence. Mom, you know, then we'd have to crawl over the fence to get the ball. But my mother learned that from my grandmother. My grandmother's 97. You see her there in this picture. My grandmother's taught me a lot of things in life. I told her yesterday, she was the first one to give me coffee. She thought two years old you could drink coffee. <laughs> Maybe with a lot of milk. Um, my grandmother, we would spend a, at least a week in the summer with them. 
And I can remember getting up at their house for breakfast. We'd always get up early because there was farm work to be done. My grandfather was a, was a preacher, but he was also a farmer. We'd always sit at the table. She'd, she'd cook breakfast, and we'd always sit at the table. And before we'd ever eat, eat anything, my grandfather would open the Bible, and he'd read. My grandmother would sit there right next to him. My grandmother showed me what love looked like. She was always caring and compassion. She's always willing to do whatever. I laugh and tell the, the last memory I have with my grandfather preaching, Pam and I went with her, with them, um, for him to preach a, a revival someplace one night. My grandmother stands, as you can tell. She's not a very tall woman. She stands about five, five one, five two. Probably weighs 120 pounds. A hundred of it, it is in her right foot. She would drive that Cadillac, and she would, she could make up some time. The last time we were in the car, she leaned over. We're rolling over these hit country roads. I mean, just air under us. My grandfather and I are spread out in the back seat of this big Cadillac having a conversation. And, she, and I'm watching the deer. Pam sees the deer. Finally, my grandmother leans over and says, I haven't told Harold, but I got to have cataract surgery. <laughs> Pam's prayer life just got a little stronger that night. <laughs> my grandmother, I can still see my grandmother praying over us. Stay at her house, and I'd stay in one of the rooms. She'd come down the hall every night. She'd pray over me. She reminded me yesterday. She says, I pray for you. And I thought, how much do I need that? The influence of that woman. She and my grandfather raised four children. The last time all four of them heard my grandfather preach was here in Glasgow, Lick Branch, Cumberland Presbyterian. My grandfather was a Cumberland Presbyterian. And I'll never forget that, that service. My grandfather stood up and said, I've raised all four of my children to be Cumberland Presbyterian, and they've all turned out to be Baptist. <laughs> but he said it with a smile on his face. Much of who all four of, of their children are is a reflection of them. All my aunts and uncles are highly involved in a church, love the Lord, have taught their children to do the same. I don't know what I'm going to do when she says goodbye. But I'm grateful for the love that she has genuinely influenced my life. Timothy, I can only imagine how his mother and his grandmother challenged his life, influenced him to be the man that God used to influence the church to carry on the gospel. That's what genuine faith does. Whether you're a mother, a father, 
aunt, uncle. Our job is to have genuine faith, to love people unconditionally so that they can know the Father's love and grow in that love and go share that love with others. If you're here this morning and you, you don't know that love of the Father, I'd love to share that with you this morning to help you understand that there's a God greater than, than anything you've experienced. Your father and your mother on this side of eternity may have been so far removed from God that you don't know what the love of a father or the love of a mother looks like. Let me tell you, your parents, or God is not a reflection of your parents. He's a reflection of his heavenly father. He's all love. This morning, I'd love to share that news with you, to tell you that he loves you no matter what your past is, no matter what you're going through. He doesn't expect you to get right at the moment. There's no such thing as perfect faith. It's only perfecting faith. We come to a place in our life and we start growing and learning who God is. If you don't know Christ this morning, I'd love to tell. If there's another decision on your heart, would you make that known as well this morning. Whatever God leads you to do, would you let him have his way in your life? Would you stand with us?